This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone, this is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast. I am delighted to have my very special guest today, Miss Alana Kaivalya. Alana, hello. Hello. So before we get into some chit-chat, I want to read your bio quickly to let the audience know all about the exciting things that you've done in your life. Ready? Alana believes yoga is for everyone, and each student can develop the self-empowerment needed to embark on a personal journey to meaningful transformation. On this principle, she founded the Kaivalya Yoga Method, a fresh take on yoga emphasizing the individual path while honoring tradition. Teaching students since 2001, teachers since 2003, Alana has written and developed teacher trainings worldwide for top studios and independently. In January, she she debuted a comprehensive 200-hour online teacher training with yoga download. She holds a PhD in mythological studies. That must be nice to hear. With an (laughs) emphasis in depth psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute. She's authored numerous articles and two books, Myths of the Asanas, an accessible practitioner's guide to stories behind beloved poses, uh, and Sacred Sound, a yoga, 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 I'm reading hymnals, I'm reading yoga, (laughs) a yoga hymnal illustrating the role of chant and mantra in modern practice. Look for her third book, Yoga Beyond the Mat, in autumn of 2016. Alana lives in New York City with Roxy the Wonder Dog, or Dr. (laughs) Roxo, as I like to call her. That's right. Dude, I didn't know you had a third book. That's awesome. Thank you. 2016. Yeah, October actually is wow. when it's due out. Okay, well, yeah. we'll we'll add that to the list of what we're going to talk about today. Okay, fantastic. Um, I don't know. We could go so many different directions. For the audience, uh, I was telling Alana before we started. I'm excited for these kinds of uh, conversations, especially when it's with a friend. And Alana is a dear friend of mine, and. When we were just realizing we actually haven't talked in roughly a year, which sucks. Too long. Too long. Yeah. But that's what happens with adults. You have, you know, adult lives. and uh, But anyway, so. Are we, we adults? I, all right. Um, <laughs> what do I say? I'm a, uh, I'm an 11 teen year old. So yeah, no, right. I guess it doesn't count. <laughs> but so we've got plenty of catching up to do. And I figure let's just do it on this, uh, on this show and uh, talk a bit about what you're doing. Talk a bit about whatever comes up. But, you know, let's start. 
let's start, I guess, with Alana in the early years, early Alana. <laughs> I'm picturing 80s Alana right now. Nice. The hair was almost as thick. <laughs> so I, Back in the day when everyone else was using a crimper, I didn't have to. You didn't have to. Yeah, it was Very fantastic. Very lucky. Well, you know, so as I'm, uh, what's coming to mind for me, actually, Alana, is something I think I might have even written about this, and I know we've joked about it a lot, but the first, one of the first times we really hung out together was when we performed together at Yoga Journal Conference in Estes Park. Yeah, true. And uh, yeah, we'd met maybe only once before that in New York City. Yeah, I think twice. that, I think that's right. I think that we, but we like were chatting on like this, like Skype right, and right. ideas by each other and... Yeah, I remember that one time we tried to practice music via Skype. That didn't work. <laughs> no, we couldn't hear each other. <laughs> Such a true story. Oh my god! Like yeah, it was because... a slight delay, and it was like totally screwing both oh, of us it was up. Terrible. Yeah, because before that performance, I, I don't think we'd actually really practiced together. We had never practiced together. No, so we literally just walk into Yoda Journal, and our first time playing together was yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought that was right. Yeah. Well. So anyways, what I do remember besides that, that was a great trip, by the way, getting to see the, uh, was it the Stanley Hotel? That the Yeah, the Stanley Hotel. It. Remember that drum set we finagled for you? <laughs> that, it was so bad. It was so it was out like of tune. It was like this ghetto, old school children's drum set. Ah, oh, it was terrible. <laughs> you made but it look good though, Chris. We had, we had fun though, right? We, oh, we pulled sure. it off. Are you kidding me? We always have a good time. We pulled, and we went on right after Rod Stryker's keynote, if I don't. Uh, if I remember correctly, that's a good memory. Yeah, yeah that's a good memory. Wow. I'm sure he. I'm sure he laid it down. <laughs> yeah, he did. I remember appreciating the stage. It. Perfect for our shenanigans. Yeah, he was a good opening act. No yeah. doubt about it. <laughs> but all right. So what I remember going back to like your early years is okay. you know we like to rib with one another and have yeah. fun. Yeah, uh, it was actually really hard for me to sit through you reading my bio. Was it really? Yeah, it really was. Uh, okay. I'm glad you say that because I can't stand it when people read my bios in interviews it's or really when I present. It's rough, yeah, right? It is. It is. And, and I just wanted you to like break up laughing or like give me a hard time about something. I was like, <laughs> like I, I have to sit through this and pretend to take him seriously. This is really hard. Uh, okay. I, then we're at that level. Now I know. <laughs> I wanted to try to convey some semblance of you know, oh, professionalism. But no. All right. Let's, if we're going to go there, let's let's go there. Let's not half-ass this thing. No way. We've got to keep it real. All right. So if we're going to keep it real. You pick me up at the airport in uh, in Denver, maybe? Is that where yep. the airport was? Okay, so you pick me up in your rental car. We're driving, and we're still – we know each other, but we're still kind of getting to know one another at this point. Yeah. And jokingly, or at least half-jokingly, you say to me – and this is not verbatim, um, but I, I know – I think I read about this in Indie Spirituals, but you're like, you know – you little shit, like you, you ride in here and, and it's your first time ever at a yoga journal conference and you're performing and you're like, I remember, I think you said it was like, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe 10 years ago or something like that. It was like, I scrimped and saved to just to afford being able to come to one of these. And here I am, yeah. you know, you've, you've worked your ass off to get there and teach and have a, a nice established relationship. And then I'm, and I'm like, I don't know what yoga journal is. And you're like, you idiot. Like, <laughs> I think that's pretty much how the conversation went. Yeah. It's pretty much like that, right? Yeah. But I, I think that that's a fair way to at least set up. So let's talk a little bit about like you getting into yoga, because what I do know about you, you know, all kidding aside is you are probably the most passionate yoga teacher I know. Um, I know that you are, it, it's, it's a heart calling for you, no doubt about it. So let's, let's. I guess we can be a little serious, but let's let's talk a little bit about 
what brought you to yoga and and you know feel free to go in any direction regarding yoga you'd like yeah and, sure so i am um, i originally started it in college actually um and I was studying physics at the time. So my brain was really shut off and really closed to anything alternative, anything spiritual. I really wasn't really raised with any religion um, or spirituality. There was definitely some interesting exploration happening in high school. But I think by the time I got to college, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> um, I, and a good friend of mine had been pushing me to try yoga, try yoga for like a year, honestly. And I said to him at one point, I remember I was like, what am I going to do? Learn to lick my back? Like, how is that going to help me? This is not practical. Come on. There's no, there's no science behind this. And he said, no, no, just try, just try. Well, I had gotten to the point where I'd really exhausted all the other options with my thyroid disorder. And I'd really, um, I'd gotten really frustrated. I was going to the gym and I was gaining weight. I was being blamed for sneaking food because I was gaining weight. Wow. I was down to an 800 calorie a day diet. I just, I didn't understand um, the condition that I have, which is uh, an autoimmune disorder. I didn't understand how it worked. And there really wasn't that much support back then around this. Yeah. And um, so I was at the end of my rope when I finally was like, fine, I will go to a yoga class just to prove you wrong. And you know, sure as shooting, I went to the class and basically I never walked out. I, I felt different from that first experience. And I was very, very lucky on a couple of counts. Um, at the same time that I started my yoga practice, I had also, I'd, I'd enrolled in a college course. You know, when you go to college, you, you do your major, but you also have to do all these stupid required courses that you're like, oh, I don't like yeah. this. I don't want to do that. Well, one of the required courses, um, or at least it fulfilled a requirement was a religions of South Asia course. Ah, yeah. So at the exact same time I was learning the asana postures, I was also learning the um, the mythology and the religion of Hinduism. And so I was hearing the names of the poses and I was learning the stories behind them right at the same time. And I think that something just really clicked in me, that there was some um, something bigger going on here. I knew I felt different. And I do have... Um, Anything I'm interested in, I want to know as much as possible about it. Well, yoga is like an endless black hole. There's no way I can know everything. So, you know, here I am 15, 16 years later, and I'm still really into it. Really into it. Honing <laughs> your craft continuously. Yeah. So let's talk about the the training you're doing then. You know, I know because, as I mentioned, we haven't talked in a while, but yeah. going back years ago, I know you were, you know, tirelessly just endlessly working on this thing on and on and on it's so nice for me to hear it's completed yeah so thanks. yeah congratulations um tell me about it yeah so um i've been working on teacher trainings for well for over a decade now yeah. um i started working on them in like 2003 and i've written several um five, I think five or six wow. and some for the biggest country, biggest companies in the country. Mm. Um, and then of course, you know, I wrote my own and I led my own and, um, all of those years, I mean, all of those years, I just kept thinking to myself, I know I can do better. Honestly, I know I can do better. I know I can teach people better. I know that I can create something that has a higher standard, a higher bar than what we're currently reaching for, um, as a yoga community. And I got really frustrated with not being able to assess people correctly, not being able to see them all teach, forcing them through a curriculum in a certain amount of time, trying to jam 10 hours of teaching in a day when you know people are missing things. You know oh, yeah. that that's an exhausting way to learn. 
And while I do believe in an immersive yoga experience, and I do think it's transformative, I also really believe that people have to know what they're doing. And sometimes that immersion format doesn't really allow things to stick as much as I would have liked them to. Um, plus, I remember going through several trainings where I didn't get to know everybody's name. Wow. It happens so fast. And, you know, sometimes the trainings have more people in them than you can really, and you can really manage. And so I did the best job I could, of course. Um, but I knew several years back, I was like, I need to take this online. Mm. And it's honestly, what's interesting about it is, um, you know, I love, I, I love challenging the trend and doing <laughs> which, things differently. Which we're going to talk about. Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's not a popular thing right now, necessarily, yeah. to take yoga um, education online. But I want to show everybody that it is possible. I mean, you can get a degree from some of the most well-respected institutions in the country mm -hmm. um, online nowadays. And the reason for that is because the technology is there. Yeah. I couldn't do this three years ago because the technology wasn't there. And now it is. So I'm actually using the same kind of software that colleges and universities use mm. to do this online training and deliver it. Um, it has over 100 hours worth of video content. I spent 12 months in the making of this and the process of this. I literally have thrown everything I can at this training and I've left nothing out because I have the time to do so. Yeah. In a live format, you have to allow time for practice teaching, to go back over things, for people missing stuff. I don't have to allow for that here. So I give people everything they need and they get to go through it at their own pace. Wow. Not to mention I have a team of mentors who supports them every step of the way. Um, the students upload videos of themselves teaching, delivering Dharma talks, doing adjustments, going through their practice, teaching people. And we get to actually see that every step of the way. We get to see their videos and we offer individualized feedback for how they can grow specifically. And at the very end, everybody has to teach an hour-long class and we get to see that. Wow. So it's really exciting. And there's a lot of interactivity built within the system to maintain the sense of community that you get at a regular yoga teacher training and at an in-studio training. Um, so I've worked very hard to lose nothing, to sacrifice nothing in this process. And I really look forward to getting this more out there in the community and showing people that this is really possible and that we've done a really great job. Well, congratulations, because I you. know that that has been a huge undertaking for it you. It has, um, yeah. I'm so glad to see it's finally come to fruition. Thanks. Uh, it sounds awesome. One thing, you know, I, I think it's fair to say is, as I've already said, I know how passionate you are about this, but it's important also to mention how, I guess I'm going to say how seriously you take it, but I know, like, you do, how seriously you really do take it, and you've seen areas where there, what what you would consider, you know, there were some cracks, you know, and, and you tried to fill those cracks with the mm -hmm. approach you're taking. Um, and I remember even when you and I would perform together um, in between the songs, like I would just kind of be there and listen, you know, because you talk quite a bit about whatever yeah. the song's about and the uh, history behind it. And I remember um, I would just sit there and look at you and I lose myself in what you're saying. And I'm really uh -huh. not like blowing smoke up your ass. Like I'm just... <laughs> I'm sharing like really like Sorry, I'll take it. <laughs> this is how passionate you really are. Uh and, yeah, and then it'd be like, all right, we're gonna play a song and, and I don't know if you remember there's one time we were at Kripalu and you kinda like had to be like I you didn't do that, but you know, you had to like really cue me back in because <laughs> I was just gone. Um but anyways, so it's it's just I feel it's important to share, you know, really like you are uh 
you take things very seriously. You're, you're real smarty pants too. So <laughs> I appreciate that about you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm also Susie homework homemaker today. I just made some muffins. So. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes. You, know. you are a baker. You've, Multitasking. Uh, yes. You've made some, <laughs> some lovely treats that I've had. So that's yep. good. You like treats. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for that compliment. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Credit where it's due. Thanks. Um, so you started to to allude a little bit too, and I guess we'll segue into this. I think something that kind of drew you and I together in the first place is we are a bit of uh, we have a bit of a rebellious nature. Absolutely. You could say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know we both have a lot of integrity in what we do, and uh, and we take it seriously, and and we don't like to mince words or get caught up in trends, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you've, you've been a very outspoken person uh, regarding the current state of affairs in yoga in many regards. Yeah. And I believe Absolutely. one of the hashtags you're working with is yoga is broken. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Why, how is yoga broken? You know, yeah. I know it, it's, um, it's a bit of a heartbreaking sentiment. I mean, for me, it yeah. is because yoga obviously is something that I love so deeply and I have been immersed for so long in it. And, um, you know, I remember being just in awe of what was happening in the community and feeling so safe and held and so inspired. Um, but a few years ago, I stopped feeling that way. And it took me a little while to figure out exactly what was wrong. Mm. I was feeling like I didn't fit in. I was feeling like, um, like I wasn't pretty enough, like I wasn't smart enough and gosh darn it, people didn't like me. And I was like, why, why do I feel bad about myself? Why do I feel like I'm not keeping up with the Joneses here? And then it suddenly hit me that like, wait a second, why do I have to? Mm. Why, why is this that kind of scene at all? Why do I feel like bendy photos of asana on Instagram is the only thing that people are going to like about me? Mm. Um, and the industry has really shifted to be quite, um, it's the commodification of yoga. You know, there, there's a real sales pitch behind yoga and there's a real drive to build up the cult of personalities as opposed to the true quality of teaching and the quality of the experience that you can gain through the practice. Um, and I've watched that shift happen and it's been very uncomfortable. And so that's when I think it was about a year and a half ago or so that I came out with the yoga is broken. Mm. And I said, you know, there are people out there who are looking for a deeper experience and who are, who are interested in looking past the glossy veneer Instagram doctored photos of whatever is out there and who want, who actually want the yoga and what I, when I what I mean by that is the actual psycho spiritual experience of integration, right. of connection with the self. Um, that's what yoga is, and we're really missing that. So um, my doctorate work was almost entirely on figuring out how to how to essentially re. I, I don't want to use the word repackage. That's not right. But how to how to rethink or move forward or revision yoga for a modern day audience in such a way that it's no longer broken, that we have the tools that we need to create psycho-spiritual integration, that we can all still be an individual and not follow a guru and not follow a dogma, but still follow the practices that actually work to help keep us um, connected to ourselves. And I know it's not sexy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not sexy. It's not going to be on the cover of any magazines, Um, you know, but it's real. And I do believe that there are a great faction of people who are in interested in the real practice. Um, not to say that people can't still get enjoyment out of their asana. Go 
do it, have a great time. But when there's a readiness for something deeper and whenever that feels as if it's missing, um, I really want to be there for people to to find what they, they're looking for. Yeah. Well, I think it would also be fair to say, and, and I don't think you disagree with this, that we could also use the hashtag in certain regards, spirituality is broken in yeah. that context. Because as you're talking about yoga, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm just thinking about some things, you know, yeah. when it comes to spirituality <laughs> and some of what's going on in the sure. spiritual world these days. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to name any names either, yeah. but... um. I, uh, I'll share a recent experience. I was at a, I was at a spiritual talk and, um, the person giving the lecture was selling something that felt good. Just feel, just feel good. Just feel good. Just feel good. And I thought to myself, well, that's really flippant advice. (laughs) What if you feel like shit? Yeah. And what if, what if this feel good that you're selling for two hours wears off? in three hours and you haven't given people the actual tools that they need to turn their shit around and to work with what's happening now and to accept life experience, which isn't always sparkles and rainbows and butterflies. What do you do then? You know, because it isn't always just about feeling good. I I tell my students constantly that yoga does not make your life better. Yoga makes you better at your life. It gives you the tools to be able to handle the shit when it hits the fan. And that's real. And that's human. And that's what I want. I I don't want to pretend like I'm having a great day every day. I don't want to pretend like, um, like I have something that people don't. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Just like them. (laughs) We're all the same. We all have our karma to work with. We all have our stuff. We all have to make orange cranberry muffins in the middle of the day sometimes. You know, we all have to deal with the dog. We all have to, we all have fights with our partners. Mm -hmm. We all don't take our own advice. And, you know, that's hard for people such as yourself and and myself and in the positions we're in because I'm the same exact way. You know, I will not ever try to sell anyone on anything. If anything, like I can be a bit too hard on myself when I write or when I do workshops, but I want to be as real and authentic as I can. Sure. The trick is though, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people want to be sold on stuff. They want to, you know, be, be told how to be happy. And, and of course, yes, quick fix, McMindfulness, you know, that's a word (laughs) I hear often. Um, but that is great. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 often used in the Buddhist circles. I, I I'm excellent. a fan of But it's it's pretty accurate too, you know? Yeah. And part of the not part a big part of the problem, uh, I was speaking with Jeff Brown, he's a great writer, and he calls this the new cage movement. That's his little term for it. And he has okay. a real issue with what's happening with this quick fix, the band aid. And You know, at times where I've been outspoken about it, people have said, you know, like, well, who are you to judge? And okay, fair enough. I I can I can understand that. But at the same time, it's like people are going to do what they're going to do if it gets their foot in the door. You know, so what to that? And what and and I'll come back to you in one second. I just want to share what my friend Jeff said. He uh, he talks about one of his friends who had depression, just like, you know, you were talking about real life stuff happening. And she got very involved in this kind of glossy, fancy spirituality, the Band-Aid kind of spirituality, the very quick fix, not going deep and doing any of the work. And I, you know, I wish I knew exactly uh, what he had said. I don't know if it was a couple of years, three years, but 
enough time went by where obviously it wasn't having a real impact on her life and she ended up committing suicide Aww. and that's where it really shifted from he was already against it but you know he's a he's a well-respected writer and he yeah. he has a, a pretty well-known voice and i know of his work yeah right. he doesn't mince words about that he has zero respect for it and and i of course side with him on that like yeah so anyways you were gonna say no, I complete. I mean, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I've got like, you know, tingling all over my body because it's so nice to talk to somebody who gets it and yeah. who I don't feel like I have to sell on it, you know, and I don't, I'm not, my goal isn't to walk around like a little black cloud. Like you got to do the work, you right. know, you got to dig deep, but like right. to really just open people's eyes that the pushing away of your darkness doesn't make it go away. Right. And in fact, accepting all things is how you bring everything into the light. So um, I was going to say as, in a comment to you said, who am I to judge? Well, you know, no, of course we don't need to judge anybody else. And I, I'm glad for anybody who's able to get their foot in the door to this work any way they can. Right. But we do have, I mean, there is a point at which you have a certain experience and you know, from experience that there is no bandaid, yeah. there is no quick fix. And I went through, um, in my early practice, there, there, even then, there were still back in the day, even back then, <laughs> when we were walking uphill both ways with no shoes. Do you remember when? Hold on, just really quick. Do you remember yeah. when we were playing at uh, Wesleyan and you made a joke about Star Wars and oh no one knew what you no one got it. They were too. They didn't <laughs> seen it. I was like, these people need to be fired. This is ridiculous. So yeah, I didn't mean to I, cut I you can't. off. But... Yeah. Parents, please educate your children on the magic of Star Wars. <laughs> Note to everyone Seconded. now. Yes. Oh, so bad. Yeah. So anyway, my, my experience in the early days of my practice was that I was, I mean, I was doing everything. I was doing the asana. I was doing the meditation. I was doing the pranayama. I was doing the kriyas. I was doing all sorts of crazy shit. And I was doing it to an extreme. And I kept doing it. I was doing it for longer periods of time. I was going to, to seek out more teachers for more information. And the reason why I kept pushing myself harder and harder and harder was because I wasn't feeling the benefit. Mm. I was just getting better at meditating over all the anger. Yeah, I was getting mm. better at, at putting on a glossy facade and not appearing to be an asshole. Mm -hmm. And it, what, on the inside, I was still dealing with all my stuff. I was still dealing with everything that was going on, and I felt like a failure. And I didn't want to admit that to anybody because I thought that this stuff should be working. Well, you know, I thought at some point I figured, okay, I got to figure out what is going to work then. And that's really how I came around to my deeper studies in mythology and psychology and trying to, because frankly, everyone thinks that yoga is a silver bullet. Mm. Yoga fixes everything. Depressed? Yoga. Knee surgery? Yoga. <laughs> Bad relationship? Yoga. <laughs> Getting old? Yoga. Yeah. You know, and it's supposed to fix everything, but yoga is not a silver bullet. And there's a lot of things that are missing. And there's just some stuff that when they wrote the texts 2,000, 1,500 years ago, they just didn't know about. Mm. They just didn't know about the unconscious. They just didn't know about the power of that work. They just didn't know that we were going to be speaking to people in a time and a place where, A, primarily women were going to be practicing. B, we were going to be focused on individuality and not in the Eastern mindset of um, – group mentality, mm. um, which, you know, that's, that's a real fundamental difference between East and West psychology, betterment of the group or betterment of the individual. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a huge, you, I mean, it's a square peg round hole mm. issue with this practice because 
it's written for a different kind of psychology than we really have. They, you know, I don't know that they expected or knew that we would have gurus taking such terrible advantage of their students mm, right? Yep. Um, because of that power structure and that power difference. And we, we don't know how to handle it. We clearly don't have the right boundaries. Mm. We're not accredited. We don't have any kind of um, actual regulation against that kind of advantage being taken. So it happens all the time. Um, so we've got some, we've got a different, we have a different landscape right now than we ever have with this yoga practice. And we have to do something that works for us right now, who, as we are right now. So, um, anyway, yeah, it was, it was the fact that it didn't that quick fix stuff. Like even the practice, it just didn't work out for me. Yeah. (laughs) So I had to figure it out. And, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking back to, um, you know, as I, I share about very, uh, very candidly, I went through many years of my life in this cycle caught in addiction, you know, mm-hmm. getting sober and I'd usually be clean for a year, year and a half, nine months, you know, whatever. And in that time I'd be doing the work and doing some meditating and whatnot. But, um, it was just like you said, that was such a good way of saying it, meditating over the anger in my case, yeah. meditating over the depression. But right. I still wasn't really working with it. And inevitably, of course, every time I would turn back to the bottle or the drugs and it would yeah. get worse than the last time and on and on the cycle went mm-hmm. until I really laid the bullshit aside and started really doing the work, started really like going within, started really getting raw and vulnerable with myself, you know, getting uncomfortable. It's not a pleasant experience if you're no, not but it's necessary. Yes, exactly. And that's what I've learned. If it's not getting messy nothing's happening, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and it's, and it's not that it's always messy. Like you said, it's not like that. I walk around like a dark cloud all the time either. (laughs) Uh, cause that's not the case. You know, we, we're both, uh, 11 year olds. We're all (laughs) at least, (laughs) at least, but I can be like that today in a way that's more authentic Mm -hmm. because I work through a lot of this stuff and it's an ongoing process. This is like a long game kind of thing. It's not an overnight fix. There's no such thing. You know, well, the good news is, too, is you get better at it. Yes. It yeah. really, really, it's really, it is really hard at first. It just yeah. is. Yeah. There's no way to not make it hard. There's no way to, there's no way to get past that. It's just hard at first, but you get, it becomes, you know, I, I, I try to encourage people to make yoga their new normal. Ah. So that, you know, this is the lens that you look out through the world every day and you see things from a different perspective and you see that, yeah, there is a certain kind of journey you have to go through and a certain kind of path you have to walk. And it does, you do get crushed a little bit. You do get, it is painful a little bit. Sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you have to have the hard conversations with yourself and others, but you've been through it enough times that you know that that always leads to something better. You know that that always allows you to get out of it. And if you don't have those hard conversations, if you don't walk through it, everybody know everybody. The thing is that everybody knows you're destined to do it again. Yes. You're destined to stay there or do it again. Everybody knows that. And yet somehow they think that, you know, ignorance is not bliss. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't. No, it's not. But, you know, last night I had uh, I had a phone call and and I don't want to go into specifics about it because, you know, it involves someone else. But what I will say is got off the phone and it just left me feeling all out of sorts, you know, Mm. like really like my stomach was kind of churning and I was like frustrated and it was just like a whole world of sadness, anger, frustration. And I'm sitting there and I remember almost laughing to myself at one point, you know, as, as I kind of hit the eye of this storm where I'm like, I'm watching all of it happen. I'm not getting caught up in it where I I used to, but part of me started to kind of laugh to myself. It's like, 
kind of wish I could. Like, I don't want to have to like go through this consciously or mindfully. Like it'd be so much easier just to act out or to project it onto someone else. But, and it's not that I'm, Oh, that's always the case, but more times than not these days, I am aware of these things and I don't, it's just, it's like riding a bike. Now I don't, I'm not living from a reactionary place. So, you know, I, I was kind of kidding to myself about that, but it, it is almost annoying. I think of one of our favorite movies, the matrix where, Joe Pantaleone is eating that steak and he's like, I don't want to remember nothing. You know, like, <laughs> sometimes I don't want to remember right. nothing, you know, but why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? That's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I did. And there really is no going back. At there all, really is so. no going back. And I wouldn't but, have it any other way. But. No, I wouldn't either. And it is a constant practice, you know, and it is something that people do need to choose every day and say yes to over and over um, but you can't unknow stuff either, you yeah. know, that's, that's, that's the work of, um, it's like the work of the hero's journey. Once the yeah. hero starts on the path, you can't, you can't go back. Yeah. Um, it's, it is, you know, I don't know what to say. We have a lot of work to do. <laughs> we don't. It's, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. It's like the person in recovery too, that, you know, once you've had a taste of sobriety, you, you can't, you can never use the same again. You can certainly use but mm-hmm. it will never be that kind of guilt-free, like, I don't know any better. It totally yeah. ruins it. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. But it does get better. It totally gets better. If it yeah. didn't, what would the point be? You know, like, How long are you sober for now? Uh, I don't know. I I actually don't even keep track anymore, to be honest. Really? I, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, it's a day-by-day. I actually had this conversation with someone the other day because, to me, even though I don't act out with alcohol, I still will sometimes act out in the way I eat food Uh and it's like so what is sobriety really you know like the alcohol and the drugs are just a symptom of what's happening the food is just a symptom sure you know the the um turning on the tv to just zone out of my emotions it's all a symptom so you know I, i i'm kind of in a process right now of exploring what recovery is what sobriety really is that's actually what i'm working on one of my books right now so that's cool that's cool i mean it's lucky that you can't overdose on um uh, the, you know, gluten-free cookies though. <laughs> they are good. They, they are, are good. good. Tates. Good. Those are the ones I was trying to, Tates, Tates. gluten-free cookies. Yeah. They're, they're unbelievable. Well, if they're the ones I've had when I've been with you, then yes, yeah. they're very good. <laughs> um, so I don't know, man, I don't know. We got, there's uh, tons of things we can talk about. I want to talk about your books. Um, we kind of already talked about Kirtan. I don't know. I mean, we could talk all day about ridiculous stories around that, but, totally. um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about your book. So, I mean, Myths of the Asanas was your first book. Yeah. And then Sacred Sound and then Yoga Beyond the Mat. So walk me through the three of them. Yeah. So the first one, um, I mean, my introduction, like I said, to yoga was the, the mythology with the asana at the same time. So that's, you know, and again, I think I was really lucky. I feel really great about that, um, that I... I knew the kind of the history and the stories of the poses and it was something that I'd always shared with students and they always asked me, well, where can I find this? Where can I find these stories? And there really wasn't a resource. Mm. I had to go find them in all of the, you know, random texts of yoga. (laughs) Um, And that, that search isn't easy. Um, Luckily I like research and I had some (laughs) spare time on my hands at the time. Um, So I thought I'd pull it together and it actually is a really, people love this book. Um, It's been selling incredibly well and very consistently for now six years, which is awesome. That's really cool. Um, I just taught at the yoga journal conference this last weekend in New York and it sold out in the first day. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud 
proud of it. It's a great book. Um, uh, it and it then, is. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and then the next one is it just took it took that work a little further and um, gave people the history or the stories behind the mantras or the chants that we do, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because of course I love sound and I love music and I've been a kirtan performer for thirteen or fourteen years and. I um I want I love to educate people. I want them to know what they're saying and and the power behind that and the actual Can I use the word archetype? Use it. You just did. Oh, hey, I can't hear you. Hey. Oh, there you are. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I think I a- I'm holding my computer on my lap. I must have like just held the uh. microphone. But um yeah, it points people to the archetypes and gives them a little more structure for understanding whatever it is that they might be going through. So I think that the myths are incredibly helpful in that way. Um, the second book was super challenging because I decided to use the correct Sanskrit. <laughs> I, I remember when you were going through that as well. Oh, my well. God. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to I wanted to be accurate. I, yep. you know, I do definitely have an academician side, you and do. so I didn't want to mince things for people and do a crappy job of just, you know, writing the anglicized version of things, and um, I'll never do that again. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until I read Sacred Sound that I understood why you and I I think the only one time in our lives we've ever had, I wouldn't even say an argument, but it was a disagreement. Yeah. was when we were in your apartment. It was because I pronounced the word incorrectly, and I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But you were like, you know, you corrected me, and I was like, ah, whatever. And then we, like, you yeah, were and I was so... Like, but actually... Yeah. Yeah. And after reading it, it's like, okay, now I understand where she's coming from. Because at the time, uh-huh. I, you know me, it's like, ah, whatever. But no, I, I get it. And again, that goes back to your passion. And then Thanks. seeing how much work goes into it and not only the work, but the, what you're actually talking about and, and the, the reality behind these sounds and, and the correct yeah. pronunciation is pretty incredible. So well, yeah, no, we're, we're, it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sweet, Chris. I appreciate yeah. that. I, it is, it, it is, you know, and, and I, I mean, it's, there are reasons to pronounce it correctly and there's yeah. reasons not to like this weekend when I'm teaching, um, I don't always say all the Sanskrit super, super accurately because I don't want to feel like I'm, I don't want to disenfranchise people or make them feel like they're wrong about it. But sure. then I slip in the very correct version so that they can hear what that sounds like and hopefully introduce and integrate just a little more just education. Like I said, passionate yeah. about education. As long as you know the stuff, you can do what you want with it. Right. Um, but I definitely want you to know. So that was the second book. Um, and the third one is a result of all my dissertation work. It's all the intense study I've been in. I feel like I've I honestly feel like I've been in a cave for mm. the last year and a half. <laughs> Um, because partly because I felt this yoga is broken thing. And I was like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how I fit in to Mm -hmm. this. And I then at some point realized, well, I have to do it on my own. I have to recreate my own, um, my own place. I have to make my own place where I fit and put that out there and be really authentic about it. Um, and that work took about a year and a half to pull together. Um, so the book will be out in October. It's with Llewellyn. Cool. Yeah. And um, it's Yoga Beyond the Mat, How to Make Yoga Your Spiritual Practice. And I present people with uh, a really clear, applicable roadmap for making yoga their new normal and creating a state of psycho spiritual integration through practices that 
they um, they essentially tweak to make their own. Mm. This it's all personalized. This isn't a one size fits all cookie cutter experience. Yeah, this is an opportunity for people to explore um, all the different types of practices that will help them and get them to a deeper place and a deeper connection within themselves. Um, from every angle, from going out with your friends to the way that you. Uh, attach yourself to your family, to the way that you look at your partner, to some asana, to a lot of work with the chakras, to a yoga nidra experience, to meditation, to um, a trick to actually reframing your mind and getting yourself over your bullshit. Mm. Um, so I provided, I think there's like 38 or 40 specific exercises. Wow. Yeah. And it takes you all the way through from the most external practices to the most internal practices. That's really cool. Yeah, I, you know, I I just became I've known of Llewellyn as a publishing company, but I never really followed their stuff because I know or at least from what I knew, they were more into the uh, the tarot aspect of publishing. Yeah, they publish beautiful decks. Right. Yeah. Lots. And I know my wife has plenty of them. Um, but, you know, that's something that's never been of particular interest to me. But it seems like lately um, they've been well, I should say I got my first tarot deck. And I started you learning. Did. I did. I, I wish. Which I, one did you get? I don't remember because I haven't looked at it since I got it. It's really badass. Like, uh, I, that's the only reason I got it was because it was like Funny. these really crazy looking things. And I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to explore this, this is like, you know, this is my encouragement to yeah, do so. That's um, great. I'll have to. I'll send you what it is. It's in the bedroom. I can't unfortunately pause our interview to go grab that's it. That's okay. But, uh, uh, it, it was, it's a really cool deck anyways. But, um, and the more I started exploring that and, uh, and Young's relationship to it, I saw, you know, like, wow, there's some real stuff here. I unfortunately real got, stuff. yeah, I got caught up in the very naive, like, eh, you know, whatever tarot. Um, but anyways, it is very fascinating. And that to say though, back to Llewellyn, it's cool. Like, cause they published a friend of mine, Amy Schur's book. She's represented by our agent and now your book. And now I'm working on a book with them with uh, Jarvis Masters. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if they're uh, trying some new stuff. Well, it looks like they're trying some new yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think but, that they are. That's awesome. Yeah. I do know that they published um, Anadia Judith's book, Wheels of Light on the Chakras. And oh, that, okay. of course, has been yeah. kind of a solid one on the bookshelf for a really long time. So yeah. they've definitely been out there publishing in our realm and I'm super excited to be with them, super excited to work with them. Yeah, yeah, me too. I haven't gotten yeah. too far into the process, but uh, the woman I've been working with is pretty cool. I'm flying out, actually. This will be interesting. I'm flying out in a couple of weeks to go meet Jarvis. And for anyone in the audience who doesn't know him, he's a inmate on San Quentin's death row. Wow. So, yeah, making the trip out there. That's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, we've actually been friends for over four years, but I've never yeah. had the chance to go visit him. So, yeah, we're flying. I'm flying out and... uh It'll be, you know, I, I can't wait to meet him. I know it'll be hard seeing him in that situation, you know, someone I care about so deeply. But anyways, good on you, Llewellyn, for for publishing our books. Way to go. Yay, Llewellyn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't, we got about five minutes left. Okay. Something really important that just came to mind that I need to ask you about. It's very important. Oh, God. What do you think about Han Solo dying? <laughs> You just go right. You just cut me right to the quick. Did you? Uh, did you, you see you saved it? it? Of course, I saw it. I mean, did no, I? I know you saw it, but did you oh. see it coming? Because I know you saw it later than most of us. So was it spoiled for you, or was it still I, a surprise? I did see it later than most of us, and and I I will live forever with that shame of not seeing it. <laughs> well, you and, brother, you and my brother. You and my brother. I will. Um, 
it was a complicated time. I was defending my dissertation, getting engaged. It was the holidays. And I live in New York City. They were all sold out. Anyway, look, uh, I won't make excuses for myself. I was up till uh, actually 1 a.m. a month in advance buying my tickets. So oh, I don't know. See, you're, you're clearly the bigger fan. Uh, all right. As long as we have that established. <laughs> it hurt to say that. Um, I Did I see it coming? You know, <clears throat> I guess when I was in the film... I did see it coming. And after it happened, I thought to myself, you know, they really had to do that. Yeah. They really had to do that in order for uh, the continued story to work. Mm. I, I mean, as much as obviously all of us want to keep Han Solo around forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Um, you have to have something catalyze a hero's growth. And I'm assuming um, that our, our young hero. Who's what's the actor's name? I know him from Girls. Oh, but he's a brilliant young actor. He is incredible, right? Isn't he wonderful. Uh, and why am I forget? Adam? Is this something? Adam? Adam? Some? Well, his he's Adam on on Girls. Oh, is that what it is? So, yeah, he's Adam on Girls. I don't think that's. Oh, we're terrible. Anyway, forgive us. The 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 the, the, the wonderful actor. He. But yes, he's his, tremendous. Yes, he his particular character development. Um, you know, story-wise, yeah. he needed to have that yeah. trauma in order for him to have some dark place to begin from to then grow out of. Yeah. And I think the same is for the young the young woman actor who is also really wonderful. Yes, uh, Ray. Uh, Daisy, something Daisy. It's um, wonderful. But yeah, she kicked ass. She was yeah. great. And I've Just seen a good. lot of people hate on Kylo Ren's character. I thought it was tremendous. I loved it. You know, there's a whole Twitter account, which is actually hilarious, called Emo Kylo Ren. It's really funny. It's uh, totally spoofing him. But that aside, I think I love the character, like how, you know, just uh, emotional he is and, and distraught. And uh, it was heartbreaking to see that uh, that Han died. But, you know, I know that yeah. he didn't like playing that character anymore. Oh, so, really? it, yeah, he's talked about how he didn't he didn't want to do it. And I know it was a it was difficult in the beginning for J.J. Abrams to get him back. Well, that's so interesting. So, so, yeah. And I'm I'm wondering if that was part of the allure to him coming back. I don't think so. I mean, they couldn't have killed Luke Skywalker. No. You know, yep. they really yeah. couldn't have. Yep. He I think in the grand scheme of things, his character is probably the only one as far as the our, our famous Trinity. Yes. goes yeah. that that could have been disposable in that moment and I don't want to think of him as disposable but um you know you have to have some traumatic event in order for characters to to develop and to rise unfortunately that's just the way we work as humans yeah so it is so that was it and of course you know the theme of the son slaying the father is age old yeah I mean you can start with Zeus and Kronos if you want to go back that far (laughs) you're such such a nerdy brainiac I love it (laughs) I'm just saying. Chris. Of course, you're going there. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like my wife will start talking about like something like Star Wars, and we'll end up like in the shamanic teachings of something or other. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. that's obviously where it leads. Of course. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But where else would you go with it? <laughs> yeah. No. I, yeah. yeah. I've learned. I've learned. Totally. <laughs> um, but all right. So before we end, though, I mean, like I said, there was a million and one things we could have talked about. I'm. I. I feel good about what we did discuss. But I see you looking at your list. Did we cover it all? I mean, I, I only made like five things on the list and right. uh, we we covered more than that. But I'm I'm wondering, like, is there anything we didn't talk about that you would like to close with? Um, gosh. You know, I think the only thing that I, I wanted to mention was in the in the beginning. In the beginning. 
Um, I know that I reached out to you because you'd written an article. I think it was titled Dogma Free Spirituality. Hmm. And I just want to kind of, I think I want to close with that, that we're in a time and a place where dogma is no bueno anymore and gurus are not the thing. (laughs) And they're not, they're just not. And I wanted to just say thank you to all the work that you're doing in that realm and empowering people to become their own masters and seek their own healing, um, because I think that this is the kind of work that is most desperately needed today. Well, to that I say it's about goddamn time somebody recognizes (laughs) me. (laughs) Can you tell I suck at taking a compliment? My wife always, she's like, just take a compliment. Thank you. No, really, that means a lot. And coming from you, because you know I have such a deep respect for your your commitment to what you do. You're welcome. Well, that was the first thing we connected on. And I think it it still remains the thing that, you know, continues to make me, you know, our friendship, the respect, our work together, everything. Agreed. We are are certainly united in that front and we are allies on the path. And, And it's nice to see that there are... There's more of us out there. You know, I'm thinking of the Adam Buckos, who's also in New York City, or Sarah Beeks, or uh, Brad Warners, and, you know, Noah Levine, of course. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there's people out there on the front lines that are questioning the status quo of spirituality. And and yeah, I feel like it's starting to shift. You know, I hear a lot and I see a lot written about spiritual bypassing these days. That's great. Now, hopefully people start listening, you know, and, and paying attention. So. We'll see what happens. But until then, we're here, you know, fighting the yep. good fight. So. Definitely. All right, my dude. I thank you for your thank time. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Congratulations on all the incredible things you have going on and your engagement, Thanks. which I just thank found you. out about. That's rad. Yeah. Um, so I will have your website and all your books linked up for the audience. But uh, for anyone listening, it's, is it alanak.com? A- yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't write it down beforehand. I'm just going off. I swear oh, to God, I'm going off memory. Nicely done. com. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. But we'll have it all linked up. So thank you very much, Alana. It's a real a pleasure. pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Bye. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.